We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome to the first episode of the California Golden Blogs podcast, The Bearcast. Officially presented by the Booth Brewing. Follow your fun. Oh, it's been it, it's been in the makings of us trying to get that on there, right, Andy? Yes, yeah. yes. And we finally have it. We finally have done it. We've we've made the big leaks. <laughs> we are officially a sponsored pod, <laughs> and you can find the Booth Brewing at a lot of available East Bay locations, including Berkeley Bowl and the Bay Area, and Pinto Tie, and Palista. And mm-hmm. Farmer Joe's Market and a bunch of them because legally we can't single out just one place. <laughs> yeah, so that's who we're sponsored by, the Booth Brewing. Follow your fun. All right, it's football season. We're back. <laughs> oh man, I am so excited. I I don't know how we how many months did we last talk football? Like January, right? Like. It's been, it's been quite a while, but we're finally here. Football season is literally around the corner. One more, actually, I think college football actually starts this weekend. It does. It's like New Mexico State, yeah, just the Mountain West or something like that. Probably like North Dakota (laughs) State too, because they always play Week Zero. Hell, high school football started this past weekend too, which was nuts to me. Is the Australian thing not happening anymore? Um, there's. I don't know if anyone's playing here this year. I know there's talks of sending Cal back there in the future. Stanford played there last year, right? against Rice. Yeah, okay. Well, if you don't know who that voice was, that is our dear friend, Trace, uh, at Cal Rivals. He's joining us for this opening pod. They wouldn't let me use a fake name for this. (laughs) (laughs) What would have been your fake name? If we we gave you a pseudonym, Um, what what would have been? Probably Hugh Gentry. (laughs) That's the, that's the one I go to when I can't think of anything. Oh, uh, not Shooter McGavin. Uh, Shooter, no, Shooter. that's Chase Garbers. That's still a good one, though. I love yeah. that name. Shooter. Shooter. <laughs> the Shooter's Tour. <laughs> All right. By the way, I am drinking this Booth Brewing Lemon Drop Hop Ale, and it is delicious. So there's your plug. <laughs> it actually is really See, good. See, Trace, so. Trace, it's so delicious that Trace forgot the D. It's, a deli- it's delicious. Eh, I'm just... <laughs> Bad at pronouncing things. I blame my elementary school teachers. All right. Well, we have a lot to get through, so we're going to get started right away. We got to talk some football, Cal football, um, and no other type of football. So let's get right to it. 
Let's start Canadian football. Canadian CFL, AFL. I've watched two Canadian football leagues so far (laughs) this year, and boy, was that a mistake. (laughs) Was it to watch Johnny football? Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Then that wasn't a mistake, because that's must-watch TV. He was terrible. I'm just waiting for the XFL to start back up again. 2020. You got two more years, Trace. Two more years. XFL. (laughs) Just in time for football to fall completely out of popularity. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. All right. Well, I actually went. This is a complete side story. I actually went to the um, opening practice of the San Francisco XFL team back in December of 2000. How? I I don't actually. Uh, both uh, Mike Pulowski and Pat Barnes were playing for the San Francisco franchise. Both former Cal quarterbacks, so there's oh. that connection there. There's a picture of eight year old me on Mike Pulowski's shoulders, and now I think I'm as tall as he is. So. Funny how times change. <laughs> he might be a little taller. I don't know. He probably, probably is. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, I don't think he's at practice. A couple. But we're sidetracked. Yeah, yeah we're, football, we're, football, football, football. Football, football, football. All right. So to start, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Pac-12. All right. Where – do we think this is a, a, a rebuild year for the Pac-12 as a whole? Like we lost a lot of star talent like just across the board – or is it one of those surprise years where we're going to win a lot more bowl games than we have in previous years, even despite having all that star talent? I want to see where you guys think we stand. Yeah, so I guess I'll start off on that one. I've always kind of pushed back on bowl games being representative of a team's ability. I think it's just like a, such a small sample size, and it doesn't take into account coaching transitions and stuff like that. So just like... Looking at a bowl game and being like, that was a good football team. Uh, it's like hard to, I think, do. You can do it maybe at the top, but when you get down to the bottom of the conference, like, I just don't know if it really makes that much sense. Uh, Pac-12 as a whole, last year I spent most of my time writing offensive previews for incredibly elite quarterbacks, and almost all of them are gone. So uh, Browning is still around, and but he loses like, some serious weapons on at the receiver position. And um, and then also, if you look at USC, when I was on with the USC guys, shout out to the uh, Tra- Traveler Hates Thursdays podcast boys, um, they had just had a Sports Illustrated ranking that put them outside of the top 25. Hmm. Uh, and so they were shouldn't out. be. JT Daniels is a very talented young man. And he won. Trace. I, <laughs> it's my responsibility <laughs> with, you know, all the recruiting jazz that I do that I know how good JT Daniels is. He's really, really good. Sad trombone. Yeah. <laughs> but he is still a freshman who should be a senior in high school. So, you know, you can mitigate that. Yeah. So I think you look at, you look around at the Pac-12 and I, uh, the thing that screams out to me is, do I think it'll be down? No. Do I think there's opportunity? Yes. I just think that there's room enough for a parity. And previously, when you have incumbent quarterbacks, I think you look around and you say, it's really hard to see a mover from the middle or the bottom of the pack to make that move. Uh, this year, I think if you look around, I wouldn't say that you know, Stanford looks worse for the wear, um, but I do think that there's opportunity. And for you, Trace? Um, well, let's see. I don't know what's going to happen in the South. 
I <clears throat> figure it. There are so many different things that could happen because more than half of them have new coaches. If I'm remembering correctly, so yeah, UCLA and both Arizona schools have new coaches, and you know, new quarterback <clears throat> at USC, new quarterback at UCLA. Colorado's quarterback situation last year was inconsistent. So that's all a smorgasbord of opportunity for a lot of different teams. I I believe I picked USC when I did the media pool just because of their supplemental talent around them. Um, let's see, in the North, it's the same deal. You know, Washington State, they don't have a great quarterback situation for mm-hmm. plenty of reasons. Uh, Stanford... Um, What's his name? Costello. He's he's good. I don't know how good he can be. He has massive receivers to throw to and Bryce Love, so that takes a lot off of him. Cal has an incumbent who we'll talk about later at length. Um, Oregon has Herbert, and he looks to be healthier, but I don't know how Cristobal's going to do as far as uh, game planning because they essentially wet the bed against Boise State last <laughs> year. And Oregon State... <laughs> I I don't know. I like what Jonathan Smith is doing there. It's a, He's doing a lot of what Wilcox did last year. I don't know how much it's going to help them because I think they have a massive talent deficit. And Washington's obviously the class of the conference right now. So, Yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much leads into what I was going to ask was rankings. I didn't want to rank the entire Pac-12, but maybe ask your guys' take for who the top three and the bottom three of the conference are. Because in the middle, I think it's just going to be – it's a crapshoot. Um, for the middle part of the mm-hmm. conference, but at least as right as of right now, you look at the t- Pac-12 from top to bottom. I think you can easily spell out like, okay, at least from the preseason right now, these three teams are probably going to be vying for a Pac-12 championship. These three teams are probably not. <laughs> They're probably just going to play for you know moral victories and and maybe the occasional like upset on a freaky Friday mm-hmm. type of game situation. So, I mean, I'll take an Oregon state <laughs> on the line against Ohio state. We're doing it. Yeah. So I have no idea. I actually have no idea who to pick in the top three, but for the bottom three for me, I think it's pretty easy. I think I put Oregon state right there. I put, I think for me, I have to put Colorado there and then I would have to put, um, I don't know who the third would be. UCLA, I think, yeah, UCLA might be the bottom three for me. As good as Chip Kelly is, I think it's not going to be as easy in that first year. Granted, they do have some talent, um, but replacing Josh Rosen is no easy task. So, My thought for bottom three, I agree on Oregon State and Colorado, and I'd throw Washington State in there instead of UCLA just because of they lost Alex Grinch was a big part of that defense last year. And, you know, you can't replace that easily. Well, they did bring in a pretty solid defensive coordinator. Yeah, it was Clays, right? Yeah, Clays, who's the... The former Minnesota coach. Yeah. He's a good coach. I don't know if he'll be as good as Grinch. Just, you know, it's it's a tough thing to replace. You know, they have... Again, it's the quarterback deal up there where they lost Luke Falk and Tyler Herlinski to... Obvious circumstances, may he rest in peace. But, you know, when we're talking about the basic football side, quarterback is something neat. I like their I like their guy that they brought in for 2018, Cameron Cooper, big lefty out of uh, 
forget where in Utah, but he can throw the ball. It's just a matter of how soon can he be acclimated and how much magic can Mike Leach still have with that group. Yeah, and there was also they had the uh, that transfer that they brought in. Uh, Gardner Minshew. Minshew. Yeah. Forgot about him. He's yeah. supposed to go to Alabama for a while. Yeah, and they did flip him. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Andy? So I think my bottom three is a little different. Um, I don't have Colorado in the bottom three. Mm-hmm. Oh. I have Oregon Makes State, sense. Arizona State, and... No new leadership model for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Replace the CEO. Uh, yeah, and then UCLA. I, I, I just think what, what's going on at Arizona State is going to be... Mm-hmm. It's comical, and uh, I actually love the idea... Because it's really far out, and yeah. I'm just like all for it, but I, I just don't like think it's going to work. <laughs> I like room where I remember just a ton. I just, I, I think it's one of those ideas that might be a little bit right. ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, he's also been so far removed from football. Like, I don't know how much mm-hmm. he's going to be able to adjust to the modern game, let I alone a, recruiting. I am a big fan of Manny Wilkins. They actually did very well at closing the recruiting last last year, but... You know, he's got a fanatical amount of energy. It's just a matter of, hey, how well can he coach? You know, because the last time he coached, he was not good. <laughs> yeah, and that's how I feel about Chip Kelly. Yeah. That's why, <laughs> that's why I included UCLA in that. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, he, it's a whole different ball game in college, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different ball game. It's always one of those things. It's like you have the, the question that has to be out there is, you know, how much has everyone adjusted? Because mm-hmm. his offense was such yeah. this like beautiful thing to to kind of watch, and his defense always was like had talent, but kind of left you wanting more. Mm-hmm. And now he's in a position where all of like we have an offense that's fun to watch, and we also can support it with a really strong defense. Yeah. Um, an offense that does a lot of those same spread power run concepts that Chip Kelly really brought forward. Yeah, exactly. So with everyone else having kind of caught up to where he previously was, is he able to then go to that next, next level? Yeah. So I don't I don't think it's this year and it's just not someone that I'm really that scared of long term. Not anymore. Yeah. At least when he was at Oregon. Yeah, I think if he was still at Oregon, I think it'd be a different monster. It's just the fact he has to start off brand new at I UCLA. Think Cal only beat him once when he was at Oregon. So so we're oddly confident. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there's that whole, when you play UCLA, whoever's the home team in that always wins. Yeah. So, except like twice in the past 20 years. <laughs> and there were some bad years in there too. The, yeah, there pro- yeah, there were. You mean when we smashed UCLA <laughs> 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 when Sonny's last? Oh, that was the weirdest freaking game to cover from yeah. the press box when you're like, because that was ugly. They had four field goals in the first half, and they're all like, that game kept the defense from being historically bad in the rushing department. <laughs> like, it dropped their average yards per carry given up from like 6.8 to 6.3, <laughs> legitimately a half yard. I don't know. We're. I apologize, Rob. I'm off on tangents here. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I'm all with this because uh, of the booth brewing. The booth brewing. Um, all right, so we go through that. Let's move on to the offense. All right, let's talk about let's us. Cap. Let's talk about us now. All right, who 
who are our star players for this season? Like, who is going to just have a monstrous year? Does any, anyone want to go well, first? Well, you know, you have to talk about Pat Laird. Easy. Start with this because he's he's the guy. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows what he's capable of. He knows what he's capable of now. You know, he's he's the focus. Of, no, it's not fair to say that he's the focus of the offense, but he's going to be a big part of it, obviously. He's... Let's see. I never... <laughs> Thinking of adjectives here for Yeah, him. no. He's white lightning. That's what I'm calling him <laughs> from now on. I'm not actually going to call him that, but... He's just a talented player, and he fits well in the offense. Uh, Bo Baldwin said earlier today he's very patient in finding the holes that mm-hmm. he needs to find, and that's some that's a characteristic because of that that I found that they're looking for in prospective recruits at the running back position. He's kind of caused them to reevaluate what kind of player they want. Obviously, you want guys with super breakaway speed, and. Pat did have a couple of runs that he turned the longer ones, but, you know, he's got to get faster this year, which I think he has. He's put on that muscle, which is mm-hmm. really he's easy jacked. to notice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're standing next to him, and you're like, oh, my God. That Yeah. What did you do, Tori Becton? Like, what yeah. <laughs> what could you possibly have done over over <laughs> spring ball and summer to make him that? Rocky and Rocky Four when he's climbing up the mountain in Russia. With that, with only like a small ski jacket, and yelling Adrian from the top. That's probably what Pat was doing. He was in Russia climbing mountains. Yeah, let's hope he wasn't doing the Drago <laughs> part of it, which was a lot of steroids. Uh, for you, Andy, you got one. <laughs> well, that was gonna be mine. I, <laughs> I mean, that's the that, that's, that's really the, easy the easiest one. one. Well, he he took the easy one. Here's the thing with the team is I just don't necessarily know if we have like when you say star player, I think of like a Deshaun Jackson. Marshawn Lynch, J.J. Arrington, like, star player. And I don't know if we have, to me, like, a long laundry list of star players. I just think we have a lot of plus contributors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, like, Patrick Blair, to me, like, stands out. Can I go with, like, Addison Ooms <laughs> on the offensive line? Like, <laughs> yeah, why not? After understanding how valuable the center position is and, um, you know, calling out the defense and kind of giving everybody their mark, like, that's a super valuable position, and it'll be one that will be critical for us to give, you know, whoever's quarterback time. Um, so, yeah, I'll go. That's my kind of subtle unsung hero of the group, uh, and I, I kind of like that. Madison Holmes. That's not bad. Not a not a good not yeah, a bad. When one. The, the offensive line has to read out to the defensive backs to see where the, if those guys might be coming mm-hmm. and where the coverages might be. It's just a lot of knowledge and he's a very smart player. Yeah, you I don't I don't and he started every game for the last two years. So yeah. strong dude. I don't know where to go now. <laughs> I, I go Vic, Conovai. <sighs> Ray Hudson. Receivers are I'm, on you. I'm going I'm <laughs> I'm going with one of our tight ends. Um I wrote the tight end preview for Golden Blocks, which isn't up yet, um, but will be soon. And, yeah, I think that tight end group, I don't know who out of the tight ends I would pick. I mean, they, they all bring something to the table. You got Hudson coming back, who pretty much is a wide receiver in a tight end's body because he played tight end for God knows how many years here, uh, or a wide receiver for God knows how many years before. About 12. <laughs> before they changed him over to tight end Seven last year. Years so. college right down the street. <laughs> 
So yeah, so you got you got that, and then you got guys like Ian Bunting, who is just size wise a, a physical type of specimen at tight end that we've never seen before. It's a tree. Yeah, I mean the last I, for me the last guy I can remember that was that big and that enforceful from that spot is like Cameron Mora. Like that guy was pretty dang big. Yeah. Um, but brief period of Spencer Ladner. Yes, and he was not good. Oh, yeah. Not good, and got in so many fights. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that actually. I think he got suspended for the Holiday yep. Bowl too. Hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So stupid. <laughs> so yeah, you got you got a guy like that, and then you got the young guys behind him. Um, you know, guys like Gavin Reinwald who played last year, and then, and then of course the star of last year's or this year's recruiting class in McAllen Castles, and mm-hmm. that guy is going to be really good. Yeah. And don't really, count really out good. Jake Ashton. Oh no, either. he's he's played his mind out over fall camp as well. Mm-hmm. There's so many guys. I think I said I wrote this in my piece. I said the tight end position and the running back position are quite similar, where you can make a legitimate argument for any one of those guys to get snaps. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at with the tight end group. And that's where I feel like I honestly don't feel like it's gonna be evened out. I feel like one or two of those guys are going to distinguish themselves come maybe the two, three, first two, three games of the season, a la what happened with Laird last year. Like he burst onto the scene and then became our starter and was just – and then from then on it was the Patrick Laird running back show. I feel like a t- one or two tight ends are going to end up doing that come by the Oregon game. We're going to have – you know, when we watch the game on TV, they're going to talk about, hey, are this tight end group's good, but these two guys are the guys to watch. Like we're going to have that type of – like face to the position. Um, it's just a matter of who's going to distinguish themselves for it. And I can't predict that right now. That's, that's me. Yeah. That's a good pick. Yeah. You like big bunts and you cannot lie. It's <laughs> waiting for that one. So, so has he wrapped yet? Like what's the deal? Is he wrapping after practice? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. He's, he's very nice dude. Yeah. Honestly. He's very well-spoken. Yeah. And he's, Obviously, he's a rapper. 6'7", <laughs> he's massive. It's He's a lyrical genius. Like, I'm not used to looking up to guys at the post-practice interviews. Like, I'm at most, I'm on the same level, but it's offensive linemen and him. Where you're like, oh, hi up there. That's awesome. How's the weather? <laughs> That's fantastic. And then and he says it's raining, and he spits on me. <laughs> All right, we'll move on from star players. All right, we'll go on to some X factors. Who who are guys that you think that we need that need to take that step up, like that need to show up this year for us to be successful offensively? You got See, any trades? Yeah, I got one. I got Jake Curran, my guy, Redwood High School, pride and joy here. But you know, the offensive line has to take a step forward. Obviously, you know, the second half of last year they're very good. First half, they were not at protecting the quarterback. And I feel like they still need to work on their pass blocking. But run blocking, I think they're as solid as they come. And if they can, as a group, they can continue to grow. But Curhan's probably, I mean, there are three sophomores on the line right now with uh, uh, him, Safel, and Daltoso all set to start. And if those guys can mature this year, that helps even more when next year they have to replace left tackle and set with probably Will Craig and Matthew Sendrick, if I were going to guess right now. Or no, they'd move Safel to center and they'd replace right guard with someone. I haven't 
figured that part out yet. It's still a long way away. But, you know, you need Curran to be good. You need McCarry to be good. You need just your tackles in general to be able to handle the pass rush. All right. That's all. I think the uh, one negative thing you could say about a great wood offensive line is at least when I watch the teams at Oregon, they always started slow. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd always get that. I talked about this on the USC bot, but I always get this text message from my buddy Stefan, who's a diehard Oregon fan. Our offensive line's terrible. And they just would not even be a thing by mm-hmm. the end of the year. And I think so, yeah, it's one of those things, like, if it started off strong, then it's a whole different world for us. Yeah. And that's really smart. Greywood knows what he's doing there. Like, yeah. As far as player development goes, there is no one on this staff, I would say, to trust more than Steve Greywood. Wow. All right. He's freaking smart, man. On that note. Yeah. <laughs> go. Like, there's a bunch of good player development coaches on the staff, but he has the most experience, is the best. And, you know, I've, he also is the guy that looks most like a line <laughs> coach. Like, there's a uniform for that. Yep. It's just shorts. Yeah, I do and, remember us talking about this. And yep. Hat. Yeah. All right, Andy, your pick. Yeah, so I think that's a really nice segue into mine because it's a coaching position that some people, like I won't say necessarily me, but you know there have been echoes of wanting more player development out of our receiver position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think for me, that's really not about Conway or uh, Vic Warden stepping up. It's about who's going to fill that kind of slot that Demetrius left. And so... I'd pick Jordan Duncan as the one that I'd hope to see there as an X factor because uh, I think he's always had the talent, at least he's always made those acrobatic catches. Uh, And I'd love to see if he can like kind of step into that role where we need him in in the end zone or um, I just think that's a position of absolute need. So X factor, I don't know if we have one at running back, but uh, also, like not to count out like one of the younger guys, Jeremiah Hawkins. He's just so small, so he kind of scares me. But he could be uh, pretty lethal um, as a speed type receiver, which is just something we don't have. And so, I'm going with uh, Jordan Duncan as mine. Yeah, I think for me, I think the X factor definitely is the wide receiver core, right? Because we know where we're going to get out of a run game, um, like. I guess the, the flip side of this argument is you've got to have a guy that can throw the ball to those wide receivers in order for them to catch it. Um, but I think this is what I've said most to a lot of people that have asked me about the quarterback position, and it's that, let's be real, we have been we were spoiled, excluding last year, so what, four five years ago? For, for four, four, four years, years prior to last year, that's the way I should say it, mm-hmm. we were spoiled with an NFL-caliber quarterback who can make every single throw on the field from any given position and can put it on the dot. Now we're getting to the point, and this is not a knock on the players that we have. It's just, I think it's just how it is. It's we've returned to average college quarterback play and we're going to have to live with some bad passes and we're going to have to live with some bad turnovers, but we're also going to get spectacular plays and all that every once in a while, just because that's how college football works. And so if, if that's the constant, then the wide receiver part has to be the variable, right? Where you have so many guys, not just one guy throwing the ball, but you have so many targets that can catch the ball. 
Now, the question is, can they catch any ball that's thrown at them if it's within their catch radius? And that's where the X factor comes into play. And you got guys like Vic Warden and Kanavai who have done it for how X many years now, and we know what their value is. Will will they take that step up from 800 yards to maybe 1,100 yards? I We don't know. But we need that third or fourth guy to get us that 200, 300-yard season in order for those guys to have a chance to take that next step up. Otherwise, you're bracketing two guys on two opposite sides of the field or even on just one side of the field if they line up on the single side and then our offense is toast. <laughs> like you know exactly where they're going to throw. You know exactly where they're going to run. And that makes our offense even less than one. you have the tight end position to come in to open up the – you have those two threats on the outside that open up the middle and force teams to, you know, like sing, double cover them. And that just opens up the seams, which they've used a lot during fall camp. You've been there for yep. it, where, you know, you'll find bunting on the seam and he'll be wide open and he's a massive target. And he had, like, I know he caught 11 passes in Mich- Michigan, but I think he's going to more than outdo that at output this year. Yeah. Yeah, so short short answer, but my X factor, the wide receivers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, who do you think will be our most improved player on the offense? Jordan Duncan. Just from what he's done during fall camp yes. and what he did during the spring, he's good. He is really good. He's fine. He's living up to his recruiting ranking, and you know. He is a quarterback who I have described as like Brett Favre at times and throwing into <laughs> double coverage. And Brett Favre was Jordan Duncan's offensive coordinator in high school. For That's right. That's unaware. Right. No way. Yeah, yeah. Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Mississippi. Yep. So, yeah, I'm going Jordan. You got one, Andy? Bowers. Oh, damn it. You took mine. <laughs> I thought it was going to be unanimous. Uh, yeah. But you can talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I have very limited somebody sources. Very obscure. You guys are my sources, so why don't you tell us why Bowers is the right choice? Because I've just heard, you know, rumblings about his uh, kind of, you know, how much weight he's put on and growth as a as a leader. So I'm excited to hear more about the details. I mean, uh, all of us who have been at these practices can can attest to it, but just. His demeanor of how he holds himself when he talks to the media, when when you see him interact with his teammates, and you we're sitting on the sidelines and we see him, you know, make a throw to Jordan Duncan, and let's say it's a little off, right? Then he'll call Jordan Duncan after that, and he'll say it's it's that it's that perfect quarterback like reception. You see him at times go, "Hey, that's me. That's my bad. That's my bad. That's totally my my errant throw. That's not on you." Like you just keep doing your thing, all right? I'm I'm gonna adjust that, or he'll come back and bring him over and say, "Hey, the play was set up where we needed you to come down a couple more yards." You know, that's that's how that play was set up. So you need to come back to me a little bit, or you need to make that cut harder um, and, and don't drift. You know, like he'll he'll talk them through the adjustments of what the play is, and he said that in um, media availability and in interviews where he says, "You know, I just he took the time to to fully understand the playbook." Um, and he wants to be that extra um, coaching brain on the field. He wants to be an extension of what Bo Baldwin and Tui wants to do on the field. And that only helps the team when a play call comes in. He knows exactly where everyone is going to be, where everyone has to be. 
and what the best case scenario of that play looks like. And so that alone for me is a huge step up because if he's done, I mean, the hours that he must have had to put in to, to get the playbook fully down into his brain and to understand every single nuance of every position across for any given play, oh my goodness, like the amount of film study that he had to do, whew. And then the second part of that is, is that guys like Ray Hudson have said he's had to turn his phone off of, on silent because he kept getting phone calls <laughs> from Ross to, uh, to, to go out and catch. Well, and Ray throw. Hudson's an old man yeah. saying how he doesn't like yeah. disturbed, <laughs> to be disturbed during nap time. Yeah, but he also – yeah, he said like you know he would call up guys like Jordan Duncan and they would just – they would constantly go out and throw whenever they possibly could just to get the little tiny parts of chemistry down. Just to be like, hey, if you get inside leverage and you're supposed to be running, you know, like a, an in route, where do you want the ball? And, you know, they'll, they'll bounce it back and forth until they get it right on any given route, on any given tree, from any given place on the field. And I think that is showing on the field. That is showing in practice every day. Like he might not have the electric, like, oh, what is he going to do with the ball? Like McIlwain, you know, whenever McIlwain takes off. But he sits in the pocket, he makes his reads, and he he makes the right throw. And I think that's the biggest part is that his decision-making and knowing not to force things. Like, of course, he'll force balls into tight windows, but he's not going to force the 40-yard bomb because he feels like he needs to put it on his shoulders on a third and 10 to get, you know, into the end zone uh, from 35 yards out. Like, he's he knows – that he's he's gonna do his best to give himself another opportunity to do what's best for the offense. He's not Rex Grossman. He's Ross Bass. <laughs> yeah, he's not Arm Cannon. Rex Grossman. Yeah. yeah. Anything you want to add on to that trace? Because I mean, well, you and I are the ones that have. Well, you know, watching. I I think one thing that people want to know is, yeah, I think Brandon McIlwain will play at points this year. We saw it on Saturday where. It was like you a know, second down and they put him in. They put him in. Just, you know, see what happens on certain packages. And that's good to bring him in and just use him as a threat and give defenses a new look. Because they've done a lot of different things with him this, spring, or this fall. Excuse me. Uh, good carbonation on this big. <laughs> and Wilcox did, Wilcox did say there is his, I think his Everything exact is on like, the table. Yeah. And we're evaluating everything, so. He was also talking about his farmer's market business. So. <laughs> or no, that's farm to table. Farm to table. Whatever. But yeah, Ross has gotten a lot better as far as being an actual leader. And I think that's shown a lot this fall and is why he's still the first string quarterback. Yeah, I think that his leader, this is, Ross has taken the leadership role for this football team as a whole not just the offense by the horns like he's he's taking on that mantle for himself he's put it upon himself that he wants to be the leader of this team and he wants to make this team go and is is basically talking to everyone <laughs> like he's he's like he's like pumped up when the defense makes a play like he's pumped up when the offense makes a play he's it's it's weird but it's so great to see like it's it's just it's awesome it's it's it kind of feels like when Jared was here. Like when Jared was here, he, he you know, he, offense makes a great play. He's jumping up and down, running into the end zone. Same with Ross. Defense makes a crazy interception or a huge sack. He's running over to whoever made that play, and he's like, you know, sla- slapping the back of his helmet and all that good stuff. Ross is doing the same thing. Hmm. So I think 
I think that's what sets him apart to be the starting quarterback for this team. All right, uh, moving on uh, to the Pac-12 ranking of this. So uh, the reason I put this segment in is I just wanted your guys' take on where do you think this offense will rank in the Pac-12 as a whole? Probably in the middle. Somewhere in the middle of the pack? Yeah. Some, um, somewhere between four and seven? Yeah, is what you're I, thinking. Don't, I don't see them like being the – using this term, but the drop 50 team. But they're going to be better than a lot of people expect. I believe average we scored was about 34, 35 a game last season. And that's – yeah, I think it was less than that. Was it less than that? Yeah. All right. Was, I thought it was high 20s. You thought it was high 20s? Yeah, I thought it was like 28 or something. I'll, I'll look it up in a little bit. But, um, yeah, so that – I mean, we were in the middle of the pack last year. Um, what about for you, Andy? What do you think? Four to six? Some, exactly what you said. Somewhere in between? Yeah. yeah. I think that it's uh, – I would be shocked if they started blowing people out of the water. Uh, but definitely hoping for some like substantial improvement over last year. Like this is a, we are way more veteran team than we were last year. Like way more. So, I think it's fair to expect that we'll be able to go up a little bit. But I don't know how much. We don't need a great offense. Like we don't need an elite caliber offense in order to get eight wins in the Pac-12 this year. All right. That's uh, that's it for the offense. Is Trey still doing math over there, trying to figure out how many points per game we had? Yeah, give me a moment. <laughs> Yes. I, I got it. All of his head. I got it right here. I have the number. Right, hold on. I want to do this. <laughs> they scored 326 points last year, so that would be... Uh, Divided by 12. Yeah, that's under 28, so 27 point something. 27.8. Damn. Oh, wow. Close. <laughs> that was amazing. So 27.8 last year I was... Cal. I have some math skills. Was good for... 10th in the Pac-12. They'll do better than that. So we're expecting like – so middle of the pack last year was Stanford and UCLA at 5 and 6, and they were 32 and a half. Yeah, I don't think that's too big of an assumption. I don't think that's a too big of a gap. I mean you, you add a touchdown a game, and you're already at 34. So I, I yeah. think that's reasonable. I think that's legitimately reasonable. Take away a field goal at a touchdown. Yeah. Think that they're not going to go for as many field goals this year. Just I think the offense will be more efficient so that they won't have to. His drive stalled a lot, you know. Yeah. yeah. You had Matt Anderson to rely on. So but we'll we'll get to talking about that yeah. later. All right, we'll move on to the defense, all right? So same format. We're gonna talk about some of the star players, the X factors, and the most improved and then the ranking of the defense. So your star players of the defense. Uh anyone wanna go first? I mean, there's about there's two, a lot. There's two obvious answers here. I think, just from what we saw during fall camp. I'm sorry that I'm not talking to the mic all the time, <laughs> but I've said it a few times this fall, and it's Cam Good for me. Just uh, Tim DeRuiter described the outside linebacker position as the glory position of the of the defense. Just one where the guy can make the most impact and has to be good. And Cam Good is great, honestly. <laughs> Come on. That feature coming soon from <laughs> at cal.rivals.com. You had it right in front of you, and you just didn't go <laughs> no, Because he's better than good. 
All right. But, you know, he, he can set the edge. He's figured out how to pass rush. Like, he, he has a pass rushing move that I, I still don't know how it works, but it does every single time. <laughs> and, like, I talked to Pat McCary today about it, and he's like, yeah, we've basically been going back and forth telling each other, hey, here's what you can do to try and beat me next time. You tell me what I can do to try and beat you next time. And they keep going at it, and that kind of competition does them a lot better. And honestly, Good's gotten the better of both the tackles a bunch of times. So that's why I think... And he's a solid fundamental tackler, and he's actually at 225 pounds, so he can set an edge instead of last year where he's playing at like 215, 210, where he needed to just bulk up more. But I can tell you from experience how difficult that is to do during football season. So, Andy, you got one? Yeah, I mean, I just would go with, I don't know, either one of the corners, Elijah Hicks or Cam Bynum. Like, those guys, to me, are, they were incredible last year, so I'm just expecting them to get a lot better this year. Uh, They, and and I just don't think anyone's looking for it. And it's just not on the radar right now how good our defensive backs are. And this doesn't even include safeties. So uh, I think it's just going to catch a ton of people by surprise, and by week four they're going to be talking about it. Why can nobody pass on this offense? Uh, running might be different, but passing just—I think teams are really going to struggle. You might, you know, barring injury or anything like that. But even then, you still have Josh Drayden and Chigozi and like a bunch of depth there at that position, anyways. So uh, I apologize for not taking one, but I'm just going to take the position of the <laughs> corners. All right, that's fine. Um, for me, oh, this one was hard, but. It's, I'm not going to take the position as a whole, but since we went linebackers, we went DBs. I'm going to go with the D-line. My boy Lone. My boy <laughs> Lone is about to become a star. Yeah. All right? He's, he's a very good pass rusher. He's He is about to become, like, he's he's going to, I'm going to go all out right now. He's going to burst onto the scene. Everyone's going to be like, who is this kid? Where did he come from? Who recruited him? Why didn't anyone he recruit a him? He buttload of offers, actually. He had ones from, like, Georgia. Then, I have no clue if it was actionable or not. Then it's going to come down to why didn't he go to Georgia? <laughs> why didn't he go to the SEC? Um, why did they recruit him harder? Because this, this kid is this kid is outstanding. He is really, really good. And the biggest thing for me is I love D-linemen with an endless motor. Like I just love D-linemen who, who just go after the ball pretty much even after the whistle. Like not to the point where they're going to get unnecessary roughness calls, but they're, they're cha- if the ball – if they pass rush into the backfield and the ball slips out, He's he's turning the corner and he's going after it. Like that's just the type of guy he is. He's going to constantly go for it and he wants that next play. Like that one one batted ball is enough. I'm coming for the sack on the next one. We got a sack? All right. Well, I'm going for the TFL on the next one. Like that's just his mentality to go after the next thing on any given play. And I feel that's – and with his athletic ability, which is insane to me. I mean we've, we've talked – yeah, we'll talk he about had this. the most impressive play of the spring, I yeah, think, where that, he was engaged with a blocker with one hand, batted down a screen with the other hand, and caught it with one hand. It's that's it's silly in, at some point. It's points. incredible, his athletic ability. And the and the guy is also huge. <laughs> the guy <laughs> the guy is massive. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah. 
Um, He's 23, so not much of a boy anymore. Not much of a boy anymore. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when I when I talked to him this past week, like he's like off the field, he's just a, just I don't want to I don't want to call a D lineman this, but he's like a teddy bear. He's just he's a super nice dude, like always smiling, like willing to talk about anything. Um, and yeah, I I really think he's going to be that guy that Cal fans go, holy crap! I had no idea we had him on our roster, um, and. That's that dude for me. He's going to be the star. Was that going to be your other? Uh, no, I have plenty of others. <laughs> Cam Bynum was going to be my other. Oh, so. okay. I mean, Kenoshi, you could say, but Cam Bynum is, he does everything well. Yeah. Cam Bynum is, is pretty spectacular as well. He broke out some good dance moves this morning when the uh, team got hyped listening to uh, ACDC's TNT. <laughs> As they were, you know how that the song starts with the oi. Yeah, you had them uh, doing all the oi oi's, and it was it was just fun to watch. I have a brief video of it too, so go find that on Cal Rivals. Yeah, it's somewhere in the forums. I can put it up on Twitter here in a little (laughs) bit too. Um, All right, let's move on. I'm yelled at for it. (laughs) Not yet. I don't think they we get yelled at. Some of the freshmen in it don't look like they know where they're going. Like castles is looking around like uh, what am I oh, supposed to be doing? Right, there's a pile. You're supposed to go towards. <laughs> and Johnny Adams is just adjusting his stuff on his helmet. But yeah, we're going towards X factors. We're going X factors. All right, Andy Trace, who wants to start here? Uh, I mean, I mine is um, going to be Evan Rambo. Okay, First Blood Part Two. He's he's going to be just he's come back. He had. Two ACL injuries, I think, or one ACL injury that kind of turned into another. But he looks like the player that he was before, and he's he six foot four. You don't get that with he might be six three. He's one of those, but you don't get the, that size. Six four with cleats on solid ground, something like that. Yeah. yeah, he's tall. You don't get that size with safeties. He looks like a linebacker, and that's why I think he can be a rangy player. He can play in the slot. His pro comp for me was always Cam Chancellor. Oh, like the his yeah. size, his speed, how he hit and how he tracks balls. Like it, that, I was like, that's that's our Cam Chancellor. Um, but just go on. Yeah, no, that kind of fits into what Gerald Alexander is trying to do with his Legion Affairs. We need a better name. I put that yeah. on on Twitter today. We do need a better name for that. For whom? We can't call ourselves the Legion of Boom, like or Le- Legion of Bears. I love it. I for, think it's too. I think it's too bland. For whom the bear tolls. I really like it. I'm a big fan. All right, all right, all right, all right. We'll see if someone we'll can... be saying Legion of Bears by the end of the year if it catches on. Well, let's see if someone <laughs> else comes up with a better one. Won't let anyone gather their bearings. Um, but yes, continue, Trace. Uh, and Rambo's—he's <laughs> he had a very solid fall camp to the point where I think he's pushing to start. Yeah, I mean they'll—they have the option of using him in some of their nickel packages if they want to. There's some things that I've seen where they go three safeties. Which would be interesting, you know. He's he's a guy that's going to get out there either way. So who do you start over? I think Hawkins was the guy because Hawkins was a bit banged up. Gotcha. But he uh, Jalen's back in full force right now. So it would just be those him Ashton and Jalen playing back there and some of their nickel stuff. Yeah, you'd have. Three. They do a lot of different stuff, honestly. Yeah, you'd have three safeties that would be. Track. Yeah, you'd have three like safeties on there that like are 
wanting to hit. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about defenses this day, though. They have to be like there has to be a ton of different guys who can go in. We can, I mean, we can talk about that. That hey, that outside the linebacker group needs a bit more depth. But honestly, this defense has a ton of depth. Which, you know, we couldn't say that two years ago. No, say that a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are. You are right. Andy, you got an X factor on this defense. I don't know. My X factor was gonna be. I think you guys covered it as the star, so that makes me a lot happier. But uh, I don't know. I'm just gonna go with my usual pick. Like I've been waiting for Evan Weaver to show showcase himself for. I swear it's been like four years. I think I've it's <laughs> only been only been two. two. <laughs> <laughs> He's going into his third year. Excellent. So that's shows it's been wearing me down. No. Um, yeah, I just feel like he's constantly kind of get that hype, and then it just fades. And so, uh, if we can get someone that in the outside linebacker position that Trey's beautifully described and has the ability of rushing the quarterback and and doing what Funches did last year too, uh, and seeing him come back, like I just think that's the type of play that we can get out of our defense that we just haven't really seen uh, prior to last year, and it's something that I think needs to continue. So. Yeah, you'll like uh, watching Joey Ogan Banjo once he gets mm-hmm. out there. So, who changed his number today? By the way, thirteen. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I was like, huh? Are they Kevin Riley's number? Yeah. On defense, I don't yeah. know who the last thirteen on our defense was. Uday, Russell Uday, okay. who is no longer on the team. Is he still a cow? I think so. Yeah. He put up a picture today on his Twitter uh, where it's like him and someone other, and he's taking a class at Haas. Hmm. Oh, okay. So I, I, I just he's assume. in Haas. I remember that much, but I think he he's living his dream life of being an Instagram influencer or something like that. Can I ask? It, like, what? How long do we have to wait for Gabe Cherry? Um, I think he's going to play this year. He'll be in the rotation, in my opinion, too. Yeah, yeah. He's he looks the part. He's six foot five and two hundred and eighty pounds, so he he's massive, but. It's just a matter of, you know, getting them on the field. And there's a lot of guys at that position who can play right now, like Lone, like Zionde Johnson, Tevin Paul, uh, Luke Beckett, um, Rusty Becker. All those guys are going to get playing time, and he's going to have to fight for it. So he'll, be, he'll, he'll get in there in some shape or fashion. Because they used, uh, what's his name, Chinadu Udeogu, a lot more last year than I thought. Mm-hmm. Once I went back and watched the tape, so Gabe Cherry will probably be in a similar role to what Chinadu had last year, and Chinadu will have more of a role this year. Yeah, he gets that bump up. Yeah, or they'll both play the same. I don't know. <laughs> I know nothing. That's all I've learned from these prediction things. What's your choice, Rob? My choice was Evan Rambo, but he took that away. So you can still choose it. Yeah, I know, but I want to be. I want us to be diverse. Took it away. He took it away. Just, Just like, like the pitch of Berkeley. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll stick with the Rambo. I mean, there was a play that oh, I yeah. that I just remember from scrimmage this past Saturday is where uh, it was a Hudson was running out to the sideline, and they and he I don't remember who the quarterback was, but they threw it to him. He catches it, cuts upfield. And as soon as he cuts up field, Rambo comes flying down at him. And instead of instead of taking him out, he literally rips the ball out of Hudson's hands, spins off of him, and he's off the other way. So – but it happened so quickly that I don't know whether you can say it was an interception 
or a fumble. Like it was it was that quick because it was Hudson catch, turn, and as he's turning, Rambo's already there to to meet him, grab it, and, and turn and go the other way. So that play alone, I was like, all right, he's 100% now. Like he's he's ready to go. And that for me was the big reason I'm picking him at X-Factors because we got two pretty outstanding safeties already in Ashton Davis and, and Jalen Hawkins. You had a guy who can spell any one of them at any given point or even push them to be the starter and one of them becomes the spell guy. That's one hell of a rotation at safety. Um, and you can place him anywhere, in my opinion. You can flip the – there's no real strong safety or free safety for us. It's you, you just rotate whoever you feel will work in whatever coverage you're working and they're, they're going to do their thing. So that's why it's an X factor for me is that we get – legitimate solid talent depth at that safety spot with Evan Rambo back. That's it for me. I'm trying to find that play in my notes. <laughs> uh, maybe in the other notebook because I forgot. I don't know. Yeah. But that play was just yeah. that was that was a yeah, that was it for me. Okay. All right. Most improved. Let's uh yeah. I'm gonna go Zeande Johnson just because he did play last year. <laughs> And, you know, he's he's a very talented player. He can play both defensive end in your base package and your nickel defensive tackle. So he's going to be up there. All right. He's got- big and can use his hands well. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she said. That's what you also want out of a defensive lineman. Oh, yeah, so. exactly. Uh, I'm going to go Kanazic, Jordan Kanazic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, I thought that last year, yes, his – total number of tackles increased significantly with Devontae Downs getting hurt, but I, I felt like we lost a step as a defense uh, without Downs there, and that's obviously speaks to Downs' ability, but also I think that left room for Jordan Canastas to get even better. Um, and I just think he's going to improve in the in the system and over the offseason, and I just you know, it's an improvement from a player that we expect, expect a lot from, but one where you might be able to start seeing like a tackle for loss that might have otherwise gone for like a one or two yard gain. Um, and so I'm hoping to hoping to see that and confident that we will. All right. Uh, for me, most improved. Um, I'm going with Cam Bynum. I think, I think there's another, not your guy. See you. Not my guy. See you. <laughs> Because we haven't seen him play yet. That's yeah, the big thing. But he has improved. He has he has vastly improved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the my the reason I'm picking Cam Bynum is because after after seeing him play last year and then rewatching some of the games from last year and seeing how much he improved over those games last season and then seeing him this fall, it's insane how much he's gotten better. And as soon as that first snap happens and we start playing actual football against another opponent, not our team, I think he's automatically going to take that – that level up sign is going to go up in his head. Like it's because – just because you're starting into that new game and as soon as you get in that game experience, it will just heighten it. So I I think there's there's probably versions of Cambina we have yet to see nor can we fathom and that's – and he's just going to get that much better. He's only a redshirt sophomore. <laughs> he could declare for the draft. He could. He could. Yeah. The NFL rule is three years removed from high school. So it is. he is, huh. he is eligible. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, 
I will say this: there were there were a few practices where there were you know there were NFL scouts, of course, they're doing their rounds, um, and they talked to Gerald Alexander for a while. There, I saw them grouped up, you know, talking to GA once, and I'm not sure. We're not sure who they were talking They're about. Seeing if GA wanted to come back, <laughs> there was a Brown scout there. So, you know. so yeah, I mean, we don't know who they were talking about, but I'm pretty sure it was at least Cam Bynum's name came up in conversation just because mm-hmm. of his his ability to play corner. So we'll see how that turns out. But for right now, he's definitely. I think he's going to get even better from what we saw. All right, our Pac-12 ranking. Where do you where do you see this defense ranking in the Pac-12? I think they can be top four. Yeah, I was going to say third. Who would you put above us? Probably Washington. Mm-hmm. And in the Pac-12 as a whole? Yeah. It's hard to say because I'll be honest, I don't know as much of the Pac-12 as I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> I know I really like what Jim Leavitt's done at, uh, at Oregon. At Oregon. He's a very talented defensive coordinator. He also punched a player once, so that probably counts against him. But he's a good defensive coordinator. <laughs> Definitely counts against him. <laughs> I may not have that situation exactly accurate, but <laughs> we're just gonna throw it out. Yeah, there. yeah. Not verified or anything. The, no, that's why he got fired from South Florida. Oh, okay. That so legitimately happened. <laughs> <laughs> You're just tossing it out. No, this may have happened. I, if I say. If I say allegedly, that means I don't know it happened. That's why our bar trivia name was Sarah Palin's alleged cocaine problem. <laughs> we came in 10th out of 12. Oh, no. All right. So that's a good pick. I'm, I'd be shocked if – so Oregon, number two? I could see them being in that same group. I just don't know who else would that be That upper echelon of the Pac-12 defense. Utah always has a good defense. Yeah. They have their stuff together, and there will probably be like one surprise in there too, which and, Cal could be. Yeah, and so could SC, I think. Yeah, they have a lot of talent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're never out of talent. No. When are they ever out of talent? Hopefully someday. Hopefully forever. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the that's the goal. That's just one of those teams where it's like, yeah, what if you said that they were going to be bad for 50 years? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Let's try it out. Yeah. What What do you need for me to make that happen? Like, <laughs> yeah. what do you need for me? Um, Pac-12 ranking? Yeah, I think top three. I think, I think, heck, if everything falls our way, I think we could even be the best. If everything falls our way. Just like the Karate Kid. <laughs> best around. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into that because that's another rabbit hole that we can discuss into – uh, possibilities and, and predictions. So, all right, we'll move on from the defense. We'll go to special teams. All right, we're gonna I'm gonna shrink this up a little bit. We won't talk about the Pac-12 ranking for our special there teams. There really isn't much to talk about no. with special teams yet because <laughs> no, we exactly. haven't seen much. Yeah, like I think I talked to Charlie Regal on Saturday about the kicking competition, and it's gonna be between two guys from here on out. It sounds like with uh, Greg Thomas, a transfer from City College of San Francisco. Hales from Arizona State as well. Yeah, he, he was there for a year. But the thing with him, with Thomas, was that he was going to come here for school no matter what. And he just decided to, hey, come out for kicker. <laughs> I'm, and, you know, he's probably going to win the job. That's so, Rusty Simmons' pick for kicker because he wants a guy that can spell his name. Because he has the least com- complicated name. And Fair. competing against him, you got Gabe Sheminet. 
which is not spelled the way you say it. I thought it was Semenyak. No, Semenyak. <laughs> you know Sheminek. how like Mike Shashevsky is not spelled anywhere near Shashevsky. It's Krasuski, but Shemianets is nowhere near Semenyak, which is how it's spelled. <laughs> That's how I would have said it. Had <laughs> not been here. No, uh, those two guys competing for kicker. It's Stephen Coots has got a lock on the punter job mm-hmm. and. According to Regal, he had his best day on Saturday. So Greg Thomas, by the way, made a fifty-yard kick. Yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, it was right, right down the alley. Yeah, so he's, he's a good kicker. Yeah, he's accurate enough. It's just been a matter of consistency with these guys, which I think Thomas has been the more consistent of the kickers. So that's why I think he's going to win the job. And yeah, there really isn't much to say as, start, as far as an X factor because they're going to be able to need to kick field goals from time to time. Yeah, I'm not worried about that position as much just because if one of them doesn't do well, like, you know, in-game, you can always have the ba- – the other guy's good enough to play too. Like, it's a battle between two of them. Like, on the flip side of what happened with Ole Miss when they lost their kicker when they were playing against us, they had to rely on a freshman who had never taken a, a kick in his life, and it was just one of those, like, yeah, we're not kicking field goals anymore situation. Yeah, I rewatched uh, that kick that they had in the second half. Yeah. It was – Oh, <laughs> so bad. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm saying, at least for for us, it's better because we have two guys that can kick. It's just a matter of consistency. What I, one thing I will say, I want to say about Charlie Regal right now, I said this a couple times today. If he's not a head coach somewhere in five years, I will be very surprised. Hmm. Like at some some Division One school, I think he is going to, just as far as the charisma that he has with players and recruits and you know, so media folk. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be good. Yeah. I just think like to play devil's advocate a little bit on that. Uh, to me, I have, this is like the biggest question mark of the entire team. And it's yeah. not a matter of questioning how good I think Cal will be. I think it just throws a lot of doubt into the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like those games that are close that are going to come down to that one kick. It's like, yeah, it's nice that we have, two kickers that are good, but do you have the one kicker that's going to make the kick when it matters? And that's the question we did not have to ask last year. I mean, like... Nor for the last, like, three years. Yeah. So it's just going to be, you know... Make just make Matrix jokes instead, <laughs> Mr. Anderson. So to bring some awareness to that, I think that's, like, special teams, it's just a question mark. All right, well, I mean, we... we Matt Anderson was at practice on Saturday. He was. He might he have stuck in there. Um... I mean, we've talked about the kicking, but we need to talk about the other side of the special teams, right? Is punt, punt return, and kick returns. Like our uh, my my so returning same guys back there, which it is continuity is always good. But for me, in terms of kickoffs or punt returns, I feel like we need we need that one burst play. Like we need. I'm not saying we need like the 50 yard runbacks at least once every game. I'm just saying within the first like two or three games. We need one of these guys to either run one back or to, or to burst one out for like 75 yards just so that other teams are have to play honest when it comes to the special teams game. Like they they have to at least be afraid that one of our guys is able to do that. Like I felt like last year we had none of that. There was no like scare factor when it came to our returns at all. It was just punt to Vic Warden. Because most likely he's going to fair catch it, yeah. like, and we had we took zero risks. And honestly, mm-hmm. there wasn't. 
I feel like there wasn't much opportunity for him to return kicks. Yeah. Because guys were, they're punting up to the sky and they're doing their rugby punts that allowed the guys to get downfield more. And maybe there needs to be more of a block focus to punts. Yeah. But yeah, kick returns. Yeah, I think we, we need a little bit more oomph. Um, not saying those guys can't do it. I'm just saying one of those guys needs to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, at least at least once. I think, well, Vic's going to graduate after this year, but next year, one thing, um, Jeremiah Hawkins needs to get better about catching the ball, but once he figures that out, yeah. he's he can be a dynamic punt returner. At least I think. Yeah. You know, I don't know anything, so. Remigio might be too. Yeah, Nico. Nico. Favorite player of SF Chronicle writer Rusty Simmons. <laughs> favorite to watch. Not not that he's playing favorites. We can't play favorites as media. But sure. we can't play favorites as fans. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the SB Nation world. Yeah, <laughs> and fandom is crossed. Yeah, I'm media, <laughs> so I can't have a favorite. I just have guys that I like to watch the most. Fan blog. <laughs> All right, let's wrap let's wrap up this uh, this podcast with some season expectations. All right, so in your guys' opinion, we'll 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 talk about scenarios. All right. Oh, we're doing the Uncle Ted thing. What's the worst case scenario for Cal? Six and six. Six and six. I I think the floor has been raised a lot. Okay. Everything goes wrong, and we're six and six. That's well, well, well if say, everything goes wrong, everybody died in a plane crash, but we're not going to that scenario. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to know where we're at. Realistic worst case scenario. On, on the field worst case scenario. I think six and six is it. Okay. It doesn't say five and seven. Five and seven? Six and six, what bowl game do you would you would we go the to? The Cheese It Bowl. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were gonna pick that after what they announced today. Yeah. Uh do you know that there's a cheese it bowl now? It, it replaced the cactus bowl. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's massive boxes of cheese it's in the press box. Yeah. <laughs> Where is that one in El Paso? It's in uh, uh, no, Arizona. Tempe, I want to say. Okay, so that's not bad. That's it's not bad. The former <laughs> cactus bowl, which was formerly the inside bowl, which, hey, which we formerly won. Yes, I was at that game. It was a good one. That was a really fun yeah. game. Yeah, my dad always. Tells a story about it that I'll have to tell you guys off air. So. <laughs> I'm I'm somewhere in between you guys. I can't. I don't know if I can call five and a half games because that's not possible. Isn't that the over under? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the Vegas line. I think yeah. I think worst case scenario, I'll say that six. I think at, at worst we still go to a bowl game. It doesn't matter what it is, but we go to a yeah. bowl game. I, that's I've, amazing. I think they've raised the floor to the point where it's. They're not going to allow these guys to be a sub five hundred team. Yeah, like I'm not saying like there will be threats of murder, but you know, it's just like accountability wise, the players won't let themselves be below five hundred no matter what happens. I also think from this coaching staff, from piggybacking off of that, it's where if guys don't perform. They're going to give the chance to other guys, mm-hmm. like, and that's that's where it comes in where they and, won't and let that's you. That's where it's been this yeah. fall. Like, you see Marcel Dancy. We haven't even talked about yeah. him. <laughs> he's a junior college transfer from Laney. He's a walk on, and he's going to be the backup behind Larry. Wow, he's been he's been tearing it up. Like he's taken his opportunity and very literally ran with it. 
Well, he is the running back, so he has to run yeah. with it. Well, you know, he catches passes and, you know, he catches a swing route. It's a five-yard gain for a lot of guys. He cuts back in, cuts back out, and it's 15 yards. All he's – Trace and I have seen this. He's he's broken quite a few ankles this camp. Yeah, and he's he's like only 180 pounds, I want to say. He's like 5'9". But he plays bigger than that. Yeah. Like you, he reminds me a bit of E.C. Safeli. Yeah, and that he can cut, but faster. He plays under. He can pass block, which, like, somewhere Ron Gould's ears just went up. <laughs> <laughs> like that. That was Ron Gould's thing. Like, if you can't pass block, you will not play. And that's why Dancy has. He does the little things well. Same with Chris Brown, right behind him, a true freshman. Who's really going to run it? Yeah, yeah. No, he's, <laughs> he's already a better person than the real Chris Brown. So. All right, let's, we, we just talked about the worst case scenario. What's up? What's our best case scenario? Ten wins. Ten wins. Ten and two. Ten and two. Wow. All right. Can I exactly what I said? Fifteen and zero. Can I? Okay. Previously in the uh, in the when we asked this on the round in, tables, yeah, it's like. I think ten, 10 wins is truly our ceiling. Can I can I ask you a, a an addendum question to that? Then what are our two losses? I have Washington and USC. Yeah, I just don't wow. see us beating uh, USC. This yeah, year. the Coliseum is the mausoleum down there. It's just kind yeah. Of I don't. I if we beat SC, I don't think it'll be at the Coliseum. If they beat USC this year, I think that like you cause to celebrate in the streets or something. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> they've not won in that place since I want to say 2000. Yeah, yeah. and it's they haven't beat USC in 15 years. So I don't even want to be that good because then I just worry that yeah you know, the teams that are gonna you know what if Ohio State is like all right peace out Urban Meyer and you no know, by the way we got 50 million that we're gonna throw at Justin Wilcox and like they wouldn't throw 50 million at him. 30, maybe. That's for Texas A&M. Well, one. That's Texas Tex- A&M. A&M, 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 A&M is a bigger deal than A&M. A&M is a cult. <laughs> Two, they have a ton of money being in the SEC. Three, it's a cult. <laughs> I'm dead serious when I say this. Like, they have so many weird traditions, and they have the dog. Oh, yeah. The is it like Reveille or something? Yeah, Reveille, Reveille, yeah, whatever. It's a big border collie. It's basically yeah. Lassie. So. All right, so Andy, what are our two losses for you before you go 10 and 2? Uh, yeah, I was going to say SC. It's just the one I just don't see as winning. And maybe, I honestly think we have some dumb loss at the beginning of the season. I I, I literally think BYU is a t- toss-up. Because we're, we're going to Utah. I just think it's early enough. You don't have all the – The curse of Tom Homer lives on. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's just like one of those games. I don't know and what they time is it at, but if it's like – It's a 7 o'clock game. Oh, okay, good. Well, they're not going to pull the Northwestern then. I mean it's just like one of those things. I think early in the year, I'm not worried about US, UNC. I actually think I would be more concerned had they not had so many players suspended. And mm-hmm. then I think they just lost their – they're running back yeah. who uh, Michael Carter, I think. Yeah, and he was the guy that that burned us last year. He's yeah. the guy that I spent most of the time talking about in my preview, which mm-hmm. I now either. This is why I don't do the previews until the week before. Publish that. <laughs> Publish it. Put, put a little asterisk yeah. addendum. He is hurt now. <laughs> Please don't pay attention to all this research that I did for this individual. Take it out. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think some dumb lost at the beginning of the year. Uh, I really think we're going to beat Oregon. 
and but mm-hmm. Oregon is one of those games that we. You guys, you guys games. understand what you're saying right now. You they guys are saying Oregon off of the uh, bye week. You guys are saying we 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 sweep the state of Oregon. We yeah. beat two out of the three California schools. That's fine. And we we beat one of the Washington schools. I really think we're gonna beat Stanford this year. I, I just don't have. They were within that. a heartbeat of it yeah. this year, and I think that the Stanford defense has been weakened. But like, they don't have Harrison Phillips anymore, and that guy was a monster. Oh, yeah. And they've lost a few of their linebackers, a couple DBs, I think. So, ah, man, I need to do a little bit more research, but I think it's possible this year. Wow. I've been preaching this, and no one will. And Andy's going to go on the field and tackle the damn tree. <laughs> yes. No, wait. We'll all be up in the box for that one. So. Oh, no, 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 no. I refuse to in the box for the big game. Okay. Don't worry. That's still a possibility. Just can't wear any company attire while I'm doing that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, all right. So the last question I want to ask before you guys, for you guys before we close out today is, what's your personal benchmark for this team? Like, what – what would you have the team reach to be like, all right, solid year, great build off of last year. I like where we're going. Eight and four, Cal takes the axe. Wilcox reenacts that scene from, I think, Godfather 2 where uh, whispers in David Shaw's ear, I knew it was you, Frito. You break my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and kisses him. And then David Shaw takes an unfortunate trip to Lake Tahoe. That doesn't actually happen. I actually got to meet David Shaw at that told media day this year. He's very nice. He's a very nice dude. Yeah, yeah. All right, so eight and four with a bowl win and a win against Stanford. All right, Andy, for you? Oh, you called the bowl win too? Oh, yeah. No, they go to the Sun Bowl. <laughs> Everybody's pissed off because they have to go to El Paso. So, yeah, they actually, win. <laughs> I imagine myself will now would look at seven and five and been like, yeah, okay, that's a really nice turnaround and probably could have had – a better season, but didn't, and probably for some really easily explainable stuff. But I guarantee you in the moment, if you played this back for me in November or December when it happened, I'd be way more pissed about it. That we went 7-5? and five? Yeah. So that's why I would probably push it to 8-4. and four. This is a personal team benchmark, because I really have been pegging eight wins for this year since, I don't think since last year. Since the spring. Yeah, you know, since the... Stanford, no, even for me, it's like, After the Stanford I, what game? I saw Stanford, like, you can see in that recap, it's just like, starting to talk about, even Twist's little tweet about, I have the worst thing a Cal fan can have, which is hope. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the UCLA game, I just sort of feel like that was the foundation to building up this confidence. So, I think now I'd look at it and say, yeah, seven wins would be great, and maybe a bowl win, right? So, eight and five, something like that. But I guarantee you, in the moment, I'll be disappointed. And what, and will have wanted a game or two more. All right. That's a good way to close it. What about you? Me? Yeah. Eight and four. Personal benchmark, eight and four. Yeah. Solid. That that's like a <laughs> solid. If if Don't we get no better than solid. If we, yeah, if we go eight and four to end the season, I will be at that Colorado game standing ovation. Great season, boys. Like I can, I couldn't ask for more. Would I have wanted more? Probably. Like you know, I might look back like you and just say, "Man, that one play." You know, if it wasn't for that, for that one play or that one game, but I'd still be like, in, in hindsight, a eight and four coming off of a five and seven season. This is a plus three wins. I'm good for it. Let's just keep on this track. 
Not an exponential increase, but <laughs> just a, a slow rise. All right. That's that's it for us. Yeah. We're good. This right. podcast has been sponsored by Booth Brewing. <laughs> Follow your fun. Yeah, there you go. All right, Trace, I'm going to let you plug whatever you okay. want to plug away. <laughs> All right, I am at CalRivals on Twitter. I also have a personal account, but you don't want to follow that one because it's mostly just wrestling takes. Um, you know, we're at – on our address is cal.rivals.com. We're technically also goldenbearreport.com, which is what they list on all my credentials. So, you know, I've got to plug goldenbearreport.com, you know. Any other domain names you want to Yeah, know. no, you got to do it all because we're doing pretty darn well right now, I want to say. Probably owns a bunch from GoDaddy.com he just doesn't know about. No, no, Golden I haven't gone there dot net, GoldenBearReport.Bear, GoldenBearReport.Bear. <laughs> I, I only got this one. It's my one. It's specified in my contract. You know, I had to sign papers. It means something, apparently. <laughs> but no, Cal, at CalRivals on Twitter, GoldenBearReport.com. Um, yeah, if you ever see me in person, say hi. You know, a lot of you people don't know what I look like, and that's probably for the best. <laughs> I have a face made for radio and a voice made for silent film. So, <laughs> you know, but, you know, at CalRivals, GoldenBearReport.com, you know, follow along. It's going to be a good year. All right. Well, we're at CaliforniaGoldenBlocks.com. Uh, we have a lot of stuff coming up. Um, next week is game week. Um, and all our previews will start to go up. All our regularly scheduled stuff will be starting to go up. Nick actually started his Monday columns two weeks ago, so we've been got, we, that's been going. Um, and then along with a whole bunch of other podcasts that we have recorded that will be going up shortly as well. So just be on the lookout for that. And, of course, Andy's uh, Offensive Previews Weekly, the first one, which will be up against UNC next Wednesday. Yep. Yep. Can't wait for that, actually. So excited <laughs> to get back into it. Yes. Uh, come out to the CGB tailgate if we're doing it. If not, we'll plan a different one, and we'll have some booth beers there. So uh, Trace won't be the only person enjoying them. Uh, and, yeah, come out this season because we need to get the fans back. And uh, just come out to one game. If you went zero last year, come out to one, and then go to two the following year because it's going to be really fun. Force your kid to read really quickly and get <laughs> – Free tickets to the UNC game. You know, you know. One thing I know about that on those UNC tickets um, is that they give you four tickets per kid. Yeah. So I have I have friends that have two kids that then they got eight tickets. Yeah. What? That's <laughs> a good time. It'll fill the stadium again. The loudest I've ever heard Haas Pavilion was the school Haas Rock game last year. Basketball. Yep. They're playing Seattle, like a team that doesn't matter. I watched Christina Dickway just beat them up like. Billy Madison in the dodgeball scene. <laughs> but it was just loud continuously, and I loved watching that. So, yeah, come out to that UNC game. Help us make it that crowd. Um, you can find all our stuff at CaliforniaGoldenBlocks.com or on Twitter at GoldenBlogs. Um, you can also find us now on Instagram oh, uh, at GoldenBlogs. Uh, so follow us there uh, for game day stuff and for pictures and, and, one of and my, stories and whatnot. One of my uh, fellow rivals people told me Instagram's the fastest growing social media platform. So it is. You know, it is. That's where everyone's at right now. I refuse to make one for <laughs> Cal Rivals. We're, we're sticking with Twitter for now. All right. Well, there you have it. You, you won't find it on Instagram, but you'll find us on Instagram at Golden Blocks. All right. And from us, as always, go Bears.
Go Bears.